Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey. Hello, it's Paul Byram of the Vancouver Giants. I'm Kirby Dock of the Saskatoon Blades. I'm Dylan Cousins of the Westbridge Hurricanes. Hey guys, this is Cam Hurt. Spencer Knight. This is Matt Boldy. It's Alex Turcotte from Team USA. Hi, it's Maurice Sider from the Edelman. This is Alex Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Major Junior. They were the best in the QMJHL. And now the Huskies are Memorial Cup champions. NCAA. Everybody in that Bulldog section's on their feet. The bench is ready to party as the UMD Bulldogs are back-to-back national champions. The World Juniors. Time winding down, and Finland has won the World Junior Championship in Vancouver in spectacular style. The NHL Draft. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. And more. Unbelievable. Wow. Incredible. This is the Pipeline Show. All right. Good weekend and welcome to another episode of the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. That's me. Thank you for coming in and uh, checking out this week's episode. If you're a newcomer to the show, then welcome aboard. And if you're a returning listener, then uh, obviously big thanks uh, for coming back and continuing your support of the Pipeline Show. We always start with the question of the week. This one, well, it was a loaded one, that's for sure, and lots of uh, feedback and a pretty divisive uh, question as well. And here's why. Uh, basically, with all the news here lately of uh, like the Washington uh, NFL Football Club potentially, finally, considering changing their name, I, I just wondered what the uh, the atmosphere was like or what the opinion was like for junior hockey fans. And uh, I looked in the, in the CHL and across the country. There's really four teams, I think, that uh, basically use Native American uh, names or themes in their uh, in their logos. Maybe five if you want to. Uh, push it to include the Seattle Thunderbirds. But the question that I put on uh, Twitter was, do you think that these teams, these four teams, need to either change their name or their logo or both? Uh, And if you do think they should change, uh, what you would like to see them uh, change to? Now, didn't get any in response to that suggestions of what these teams could change their, their names to or their logos to. Uh, But the four teams that I uh, made mention of, the Moose Jaw Warriors, who have a, a red silhouette of a Native American uh, a chief. The Shawinigan Cataracts, who have a Native American chief uh, as their logo as well. The Portland Winterhawks, who basically have the same logo as the Chicago Blackhawks. And the Spokane Chiefs, who have an S with uh, four feathers attached to it. And really, if you, I guess if you wanted to include the Seattle Thunderbirds, I, I suppose you could, although it's a Thunderbird depicted as a, a, a wood carving. Uh, relevant to that area of the Pacific Northwest. Uh, I didn't include that because, uh, to me, I, I think that's a bit of a stretch. But uh, those are the four teams that I thought simply for either the name or the logo. And I, I, to me, they're they're sort of those two things are, are interchangeable. For example, the Moose Jaw Warriors, if if they changed their logo and removed the, the imagery, still kept the name Warriors, uh, but maybe used a, created a new logo or... I mean, they have the alternate logo of of the moose. That would be a solution. Uh, the Portland Winterhawks have a great uh, alternate jersey that they introduced at the very end of last season. I think they only wore it for a game, maybe two. Uh, but it's a really sharp-looking uh, uniform. Somebody posted that uh, on the timeline uh, on Twitter, at TPS underscore Guy. 
and it's a fantastic logo, and it's it's obviously a hawk. I think that's an easy solution as well. The Shawinigan Cataract, uh, the cataract uh, is for the uh, the waterfall that runs through Shawinigan, and that's what the little lightning bolts uh, signify uh, in the uh, the cataract's logo. Uh, and they used to have a, a logo that did not include any uh, indigenous uh, imagery, so it seems like it would be a fairly relative fix, a relatively easy fix there as well. And as for the Spokane Chief, somebody actually mentioned on Twitter in the reply to this that this whole thread that they actually have had a communication with the uh, local uh, First Nations uh, communities there and that everybody's on board with the, uh, the the name and the logo. So if that's the case, then great. And, th- and that's really, honestly, where the question came from was I didn't say these four teams are using racist uh, imagery or names and they have to be changed. I'm asking the question, do you believe? Because quite honestly, I'm a white dude. These names and these logos don't offend me. My opinion doesn't really matter in this case. So I wanted to hear from uh, some folks who might be offended. And I got a ton, 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 tons of response to this question. Uh, A lot of it, what you would expect, I think, uh, the Oilers just this morning said there there will always be some that are offended, mostly, mostly white social justice warrior tool bags. And you can't cater to the damn minority. Why does it need to be taken as offensive? It's so fucking stupid. You all need to worry about bigger issues in the world. You're clearly bored. Another one that just came in from uh, Trevor says, uh, People are way too sensitive. Grow a set. It should be flattering that there are names after history. Yes, like the Washington Redskins is uh, completely uh, appropriate. And uh, it honors the uh, Native American. Of course. How did I overlook that? Johan says, I think there are two important parts to the conversation. I ask, uh, number one, ask the indigenous peoples in those respective communities how they feel about it. And two, support the indigenous peoples in the respective communities. Don't just use the name or the logo. Honor them. Support them in whichever way that you can. Actually, it might be Johan, not Johan. I apologize, Johan. He said, as a white guy, he doesn't think the names are derogatory, uh, which in this case of the... uh, the WHL teams and the uh, the one out of the queue. I don't think the names are uh, can be viewed as derogatory, but I wonder more about the uh, depiction of the uh, Native Americans as a logo. And uh, Jump the Shark actually echoes that sentiment. He says, uh, only change the logos. The name Warrior can come from European tribes who fought. Winterhawks could be viewed as only being linked by the logo if you change it as a bird. And there were chieftains or chiefs in, in the Highlands for about a thousand years that's uh from jump the shark derek says well the names themselves aren't necessarily references to first nations so i don't think they'd have to change one who leads is a chief one who battles is a warrior regardless of ethnicity and a cataract is a waterfall winterhawk is a made-up word he says uh, that from derek i did have an extended exchange with uh, I, and no picture involved in in their uh, avatar uh, but i believe he is of native american descent and he actually had a different perspective that he would like to see all of these things stay because uh, by changing them all, then you're removing a, a bit of representation for them. And at one point he did say uh, things like the uh, Chief Wahoo for the Cleveland Indians and, uh, and the Washington uh, Redskins. Those should be changed, not names that aren't necessarily offensive. And he actually supplied me uh, with a link to a story that was in Ontario about how uh, I think it was in Sarnia and maybe Mississauga, uh, where they were maybe 
going a little bit too far in terms of being culturally sensitive and they were trying to change a team names that have been there for like 50 years and used by and supported by some of the local First Nations communities there uh, and they were names like Braves and and uh, yeah I just pulled it up it's the uh, the Sarnia Braves it was a baseball team uh, so that also an interesting take on it and I think that's that's probably the key is if you asked 100 white guys you'd, you'd get some that would say yeah change them and you'd get some that would say no don't change them but I think more importantly, you would ask the First Nations community, and there wouldn't be consensus there either. So I don't, I don't know that there's an easy solution to it outside of uh, situations like the uh, the NFL team in Washington that just has an outright racial slur as their uh, their team name. And I think the the Mushaw Warriors could easily avoid any sort of controversy, if you will, uh, with a, a simple logo change. The Portland Winterhawks, same thing. So if you'd like to get involved in that conversation, you can follow me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee and share your thoughts uh, there with the audience as well. Get to some news and notes here in a second. I noticed the gang at Pro Stock Hockey was having a free, sh free shipping weekend. I don't know if that's a uh, the timing of that for Independence Day, but uh, orders of 50 bucks or more anywhere in the uh, continental U.S., so that doesn't help us up here in Canada, but uh, free shipping if you're in the States uh, from Pro Stock Hockey. They just got a large uh, supply of uh, uh, pants from uh, Warrior. So if you're in need of some new hockey pants, uh, check them out. ProStockHockey.com is their website, and you can follow them at ProStockHockey on Twitter. It was announced uh, in the last couple of days that the, the World U-17 Hockey Challenge that would have been in uh, Charlottetown and Summerside, Prince Edward Island, in uh, early November, I think it actually was scheduled to start on Halloween, uh, but the World U-17s canceled. So far, the Women's U-18 Championship, that's also in early November. That would be up in Dawson Creek, B.C., as well as uh, the World Junior A Challenge and the World Junior Championship. The uh, World Junior A Challenge this year, by the way, is in Ontario, in Cornwall, Ontario. And uh, the World Junior, the U-20 World Junior Championship, always happens, starts on Boxing Day. That's scheduled to be in Edmonton and Red Deer this year. Uh, those are all still on the schedule, uh, but the World U-17, the first one uh, to be axed for this coming season. Of course, the Holinka Gretzky uh, Cup uh, was canceled, but that's before the season starts. So this is the first one that happens actually in the middle of uh, of the season. And the, again, this, the CHL is hoping to get going uh, in very early October. I believe October 2nd is the date that the Western Hockey League has uh, circled on their calendar with camps to open a couple weeks before that. But it is early July, and uh, COVID-19 does not seem to be going away, especially if you're uh, south of the border. My gosh, take care, people. Wear a mask. In NCAA news, uh, Don Lucia is back in the, uh, the league. He's now going to be the commissioner of the CCHA. That will be basically what is uh, currently the WCHA, but uh, without the... Uh, to Alaska programs and uh, Alabama Huntsville. That'll start uh, not this season, but the following in 2021-22. So good to see Don Lucia back in the mix. Going to have just two guests on this week's episode. Had a couple other irons in the fire that uh, didn't pan out. Uh, tried to get in touch again with Eric Guest uh, to share his story and his perspective on how we can get uh, hazing and incidents like he went through. Uh, how we get that out of junior hockey. Uh, was not able to connect with Eric, but we'll continue to uh, try to get him on the show because uh, I think his 
uh, message and uh, what he can tell us about his experience would be valuable moving forward. So I will try to, uh, I'll keep trying uh, to get Eric uh, lined up for the show. Uh, I know next week it looks like I could have three 2020 Draft Spotlight segments as well as another guest. Uh, so more of a normal length show next week. Uh, but this week, just two guests who will join me, courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. The tap room in Red Deer is uh, open once again with all the uh, health protocols that you would expect in this day and age. And in Alberta, you can get uh, same-day home delivery. If you get your order in by 1 o'clock, spend 50 bucks. It's also free delivery. And you place that order through troubledmonk.com on the website where you can also see all the beverages that you can pick from. Just got a new uh, supply myself. And uh, I haven't tried it yet, but really looking forward uh, to the new Inception IPA. So I might be trying that one out uh, maybe tonight after the show. Although as I'm speaking with right now, it's Saturday morning. So it might be a little early to have a beer. But tonight... Anyway, Troubled Monk, it's craft beer worth sharing. Uh, and my two guests uh, today, we'll start it off with uh, Dustin Braxma from HockeyProspect.com as the Black Book has been released. And we'll talk to Dustin about uh, a number of players in uh, south of the border, whether they're in high school or the USHL or maybe both in some cases, uh, as well as a couple of guys who were in the NCAA this year. So we'll talk to Dustin about that. And we'll uh, the second guest that we'll end it with, his name is Ryder Alston. He is a forward with the Waterloo Blackhawks draft eligible. So it is a 2020 draft spotlight segment. Interesting uh, player, though. Bloodlines, obviously. Brian Ralston, his uh, father. But another very well-spoken individual. And uh, I think you'll enjoy that conversation. So those are the two guests that I have on this week's show. Let's kick it off with the uh, guest from HockeyProspect.com. That's Dustin Braxma. Get to know some draft-eligible players next here on the Pipeline Show. Smirnov breaks across, turns it over to Allison. Here he comes, one-on-one. Allison, deep left, shoots, scores! The undressed defender at the right slot. He went backhander, turned to the forehand, and wristed it under Wishow. Hey, I'm Wade Allison from the Tri-City Storm, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. She's the girl of my dream, she's the girl of mine. She's playing me for a fool, cause she's a hunting guy. Hi, I'm Sarah from Arcan Trailer and RV. We know many lives have been altered and plans have changed, but something that hasn't changed is everyone's desire to make new memories with their families. Arcan wants to help you go camping this summer, and we'd like to make your payments for you. This isn't a deferral. We'll make your payments all summer long. Or if you currently have an RV but need a new one, trade it in and we'll make your payments too. It's on us. Visit ArcanRV.com for details and start planning your best trip ever. You're listening to the Pipeline Show. Tell me his name again. With Gee Flaming. Who? We're back on the Pipeline Show. We're going to continue this episode off with a uh, another conversation with somebody from HockeyProspect.com, which we do throughout the season. And of course, this time of year, well, heck, the draft is supposed to be over by now, but we all know that's not the case. Uh, so we get an extended look at the uh, class of 2020. And uh, to help me uh, break down some of the guys uh, in uh, the U.S. in uh, the NCAA as well as uh, high school, uh, we're bringing in Dustin Braxma once again. Uh, Dustin, welcome back to the program. How are you these days? Doing well. How are you, Guy? Thank you. Uh, I'm doing well as well, but uh, I think part of me wishes the draft was here and gone already. We've seems like we've been talking about this class for a long time. 
Yeah, it really does. And the fact that our in live viewings got cut short, that makes this time that much longer, actually, because mm-hmm. I feel like we've been looking at these lists and um, for a long time without any live viewings in our system. So, yeah, it seems extra long with the shortened season as well. Should mention the Black Book is available now. How do people get it? Uh, I believe the hard copy version is available on Amazon in, in Canada and the U.S. Um, and then you can get it at HockeyProspect.com. Um, you get a little bit of a discount if you're uh, U.S. because of the um, uh, money transition rate. So uh, if you're an American listener, you get a little bit of a discount. Um, but, yeah, you can get it off the website, PDF version. Um, the hard copy version is going to be a little bit smaller. We had to cut out some game reports just to make it uh, – uh, not so big. So if you want all the game reports, you can get the PDF version. That in, that pretty much includes, um, I'd say, 90% of the, our live viewings that we had this year. So uh, I think the total, right around 750 total pages, the PDF version. So wow. it was a big book this year. Yeah, I think um, I think everybody had more in-person viewings um, than than years past. So um, that's good that we were able to you know, get our schedules together. You know, every year you do this, you kind of figure out better ways to see more games. So uh, I feel like we have way more game reports in this year's book, which is good. It gives you extra info versus um, just looking at the profiles, too. I actually enjoy seeing other people's game reports just to see how they match up with what I saw and stuff like that. So the Black Book even has usages for us even when it comes up. So we look forward to even getting it in our hands. Always a wealth of information, the Black Book. Uh, it's it's the staple in the industry. Uh, you can get yours today. All right, let's talk about some of those players that you can hear about and read about uh, in the Black Book. We'll start with Dylan Holloway, one of the high-profile guys out of the NCAA this year. Uh, tell me what you like, what the, uh, what the overall picture for Dylan Holloway is, and if you can, maybe where he comes in in your first-round ranking. Um, I think we have him ranked 30th, uh, as a, as a, as a group. Um, my personal ranking, I think he was my second ranked, ranked, uh, player in U.S. leagues personally. Um, I think I had Sanderson ahead of him. Um, he had a little bit of an adjustment, uh, to college hockey, which is expected. Um, if you think back a couple of years ago, Luke Cunning came in at similar age and kind of had an adjustment period to college hockey too. So, um, the, the beginning of the year, uh, I think people were starting to question some of his abilities, but towards the end of the year, I think he was one of the best players at Wisconsin. Um, he's kind of a Swiss army knife player. Um, he doesn't have dynamic skill. He's not going to beat a lot of guys one-on-one and showcase and, you know, dangle and, and, um, and create high real offensive plays. But I think he has enough skill to play in a top six role, um, his his skating is top notch. I think I think he has excellent, especially with the puck. I think he has a good gear. Um, I like his uh, when he plays physical. When he when he uses his size, he's a very mature kid physically. Uh, he's a little bit of a gym rat, so um, he's not ready for the NHL probably ability or hockey sense wise. But physically, he is. But when he's playing physical and when he um, plays with a little bit of an edge that's when he's at his best and that was when I saw some of the best viewings of him um he finished the season strong I think Wisconsin's last 10 or 12 games he was a point per game player um he was one of the better players on the roster I thought coming down the stretch even with uh, the highly touted freshman class that they had um I had a quote in the black book um 
that some nights he was the only player on the team that really gave a crap. So as the youngest player on the roster, that kind of speaks volumes to me. Um, so, and the fact he really caught his stride and started to play better down the stretch. Um, I didn't drop him nearly as much as some people seem to have. Um, I think he's going to play in the NHL someday. There's no doubt about it. So, um, I think there's going to be one or two teams that are really going to want him. And then there's probably, there's probably a couple teams that don't like him very much. It's just kind of one of those prospects, but I think I'd be surprised if he slipped past the 15 spot, in my opinion, in the draft, but, uh, we'll see. Um, He's got a long development path at Wisconsin, which will help him. Um, he'll be one of the mainstays on the roster this year whenever that season gets going. That's uh, Dylan Holloway, who his numbers weren't, you know, didn't blow anybody away, but as you said, got better as the as the year went on. He missed last year's draft by, what, about a week. Um, so he was a true freshman at Wisconsin. All that stuff uh, gets taken into consideration, fair to say? I think so, yeah. And even even though he was probably physically ready for college hockey, it's just it's just a big jump from the Alberta League, in my opinion. So, um, and that whole team was trying to kind of figure it out to start the year. They had so much talent on it, and it was all young talent. Um, he spent some time at center. I think he projects better as a winger, probably at the pro level. Hmm. Um, he's going to be the player that probably plays in the top six and goes and gets you the puck. And then he he can he has enough skill to make something happen with it. He's probably going to he probably can't drive a line, but um, he he has value as a top six forward, in my opinion. My guest is Dustin Braxman from HockeyProspect.com. Let's uh, chat about uh, Brock Faber, uh, a defenseman who. I don't know if it's just me or it seems like the buzz has been growing more for him since the uh, everything got put on hold. It seems like his stock has gone up. Would you agree with that or, or, or is this just a guy that uh, maybe is, maybe that's just for me that uh, his name is uh, finally getting some more attention? I mean, he had a pretty strong season, but uh, to me it, it sounds like I heard more about him in the last couple of months than I did in, you know, around Christmas. I'm not going to play scout psychologist here, but I think it was so much downtime. People are taking extra time to try to find that gem in the draft, right? right Where right. has had, had we all been on the same schedule, he probably just have been shuffled in as another um, NTDP defenseman. And uh, it would have been a little bit of a different story for him, but you can probably put me in the group of a person that his stock rose as the season went. Um, he's a fantastic skater, both with and without the puck. His game kind of revolves around his skating. Um, strong lower body, um, smart with the puck. Um, he's a breakout machine. He's, he's probably, um, you know, Sanderson is excellent on the breakout. I, I, I don't want to say he's better than him, but aside from Sanderson, he's probably the best breakout defenseman that that team had. Um, his skating can kind of insulate some of his deficiencies when it comes to um, uh, defensively or, um, you know, uh, not being dynamic with the puck on his stick. His skating can get him out of a lot of situations when he gets cornered. He can he has good escape ability, so I like that. Um, that's always an added value when you're talking about defensemen. Um, he's heading to the University of Minnesota this year. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to step in and be a stabilizing presence. They have a few offensive-minded defensemen there. So I think he, ha- he has a mature enough game. He takes care of the puck to um, to step right in and, and be an impact defenseman at Minnesota this year. Probably not the most offensively gifted defenseman. Um, he can get pucks through from the point. He uses his skating well to kind of open things up. But he doesn't engage. He won't. He won't come down looking for scoring opportunities or leave his post. He 
he's very much a two-way defenseman. And I think it's his two-way ability and um, his ability to limit mistakes um, is probably what uh, is the most attractive part of his game going into the draft. And um, despite not really being very big, I think he's maybe 5'11", six feet tall. He's incredibly strong. He plays above his weight class. So um, he's an impressive two-way defenseman for me. I, I like him a lot. And I think we're just scratching the surface. I think I, I think he once he gets more confident, gets in a different role, he may be able to show more offensive ability too. We'll see. But even if that offense doesn't pop, I think he provides enough defensively and the ability to win battles in his own zone and get pucks out of trouble um, brings him incredible draft value, in my opinion. I'm glad you mentioned the offense. 12 points this year doesn't blow anybody away either. Uh, it, I mean, if it was a video game and you were putting, you know, his skill set with a slider between defense and offense, would it be like 70%, 30% in favor of defense for him? Yeah, I think so. I think a little bit of his points are situational too. I don't think he saw incredible time on the power play. If it was, it's probably the number two unit. Now that could also speak to his limited offensive ability too, but you'll never know until you get him put in those situations. So, um, you know, maybe he had the soda and gets more of an offensive opportunity with injuries or whatnot and, um, shows some ability to run a power play and stuff like that. But, um, the points are the points, you know, I, 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 it's it's a lot situational it's a lot how much ice time and he played you know in, in his defense for the points he plays in a lot of defensive situations for that for that team this year and I think he was on the PK a lot more than he was on the power play so mm. if you're getting put out in a lot of defensive zones and defensive situations your points are going to be lacking a little bit all right let's go to a, another player out of the USHL uh, well, he didn't play a ton in the USHL, just 11 games. A high school guy in uh, Wyatt Kaiser, another defenseman, uh, not quite as big, although it's not like uh, Faber's a giant by any stretch, but at 5'11", 170-ish pounds, uh, if, I'm not sure if those numbers are uh, quite up to date, but uh, Wyatt Kaiser, uh, who spent uh, most of his season at Andover, and he did have offensive numbers there. So uh, when you look at or when you think of Wyatt Kaiser, what stands out to you? He's a similar player when it comes to, um, as far as, you know, Brock Faber and Wyatt Kaiser. I think there's a lot of similarities there. I think Brock Faber is a, a far more developed skater at this point. Um, not to say Kaiser skating is bad. It just lacks a little bit of strength. I think as he gets stronger and um, gets more time in the weight room, I think uh, his skating and explosiveness will develop. I think it's his first step that kind of limits him right now. Um, his points in the Minnesota high school can kind of be a little bit skewed because they're not always playing the top teams in the Minnesota ranks. So uh, some nights are point nights for them. So they kind of take those opportunities to pump up their offensive numbers for sure. But um, he's smart with the puck. He, he's a, he's a good breakout defenseman. Um, not the most physical player. Doesn't really use, won't, won't really blow guys through the boards or um, throw big hits, but he uses his body well in defensive situations. So when you talk about physicality, is he physical? No, um, but he uses his physical frame well. Um, not a powerful shot, not a great shot, but gets it through from the point, gets it down to scoring areas. Um, I, I don't know if it, it might have been even last year when I watched him, but he's a creative player at the top of the zone where he'll shoot wide, use the backboards, he'll he'll use good creativity. Um, to get the puck down to the front of the net. It's not always going to be pretty, but um, he gets it down there. So um, his time in Dubuque, he was kind of used as an insulator. Um, 
that was a very good team this year, the Fighting Saints. So um, his um, contributions to the team were limited. He, he didn't see a lot of power play time. He wasn't um, put in a lot of offensive situations. But I thought he handled his games in the USHL well. Um, he was a player that scouts, I think, were excited to see this spring in the USHL. Unfortunately, the season got cut short before you could really get going. But I know there was uh, a lot of scouts that were booking trips to Dubuque or where Dubuque was playing to get some eyes on him because um, of the good high school season he had. And they thought they wanted to see how his game would um, translate versus how he played in the spring with Dubuque. So a little bit of a tough break for him not getting to finish the season. But you could be, you could could that could be said for a lot of Minnesota high school kids this year. But um, similar player to um, – to Faber, just maybe not, maybe not as good a skater, um, but a breakout type defenseman, two-way defenseman, um, solid positionally as far as gaps and stuff like that. So um, he's a smart defenseman with good two-way capability. Headed to uh, the University of Minnesota Duluth uh, to join the Bulldogs, and boy, you look at NCAA programs uh, that are producing defensemen, and uh, the Bulldogs would be one of the top uh, over the last five or six years. Good spot for him to go. Yeah, I would agree that that's one thing they've they've turned out turned out some uh, excellent defensemen in recent years. Um, kind of reminds me of Wisconsin back in like the early 2010 area, late uh, 2007, eight, nine. It seemed like they were always turning out high end NHL defensemen. It seems like Duluth has kind of taken that on. Yeah, and they keep getting the, they keep getting those recruits to come there. Right, it's just kind of a factory up there now. So. Um, I like the long development path for college for him too. I think that'll I think that'll work well for him. All right, and then we've got uh, Mitchell Miller, another defenseman who this is a guy that I haven't talked about or nobody has talked to me about uh, much this year. Uh, another guy that's uh, headed to uh, the college rope, but played this past season in the USHL with the uh, Tri City Storm. It's actually his second season in the league. Cedar Rapids, uh, the team he played with uh, as a rookie, uh, but headed to North Dakota to uh, join the Fighting Hawks. Tell us about Mitchell Miller. I had him rated as a eight skater and a seven playmaker. He's kind of a possession uh, machine from the back end. Um, he can he can control the game with the puck on his stick. Um, the question I had going into this year with him, and even kind of in the middle of the year, is he relied too much on his skating and too much on his puck skills, and he was looking past. He's going to have to move the puck quicker in the upper levels. He's not going to be able to rush the puck quite as much, but um, he managed to make quicker decisions and give up the puck faster. And, um, you know, he's still an offensive defenseman. He's still going to, you know, attempt to join the rush and jump in the rush, but his ability for that not to be his first instinct was something that um, moved him up my rankings as the season went. Um, Has a little bit of ways to go to sort things out in the D zone at times. Um, Kind of has some defensive lapses, uh, gets puck watching a little bit in the D zone in front of his own net and kind of lets guys get away from him, uh, get separation. So he'll need to toughen some things up in the, in the D zone, especially in the crease area. But, um, I think he's always, he's going to be an offensive defenseman. And I think at the worst, he turns into some sort of power play specialist at the next level if he can't sort out his defensive game. Um, he's probably going to need an insulating pairing to you know to calm things down and let him roam a little bit that's kind of the way I envision his outlook but um he's improved this year and that's why he moved up I think he moved up almost everybody's rankings this year I know 
when the season got cut short and we were able to do more video um, than we normally would and, um, you know, increase our viewings, we saw, uh, I think it, throughout the staff, that um, he moved up almost everybody's list, not not just my myself or um, Michael Farkas, the other U.S.-based uh, scout, but I know um, Mark was impressed with his progress as well. So um, he was a he was a bloomer that took a little while to develop, but um, he showed good improvement this year, and that's why we ended up uh, moving him up our list. Now, a guy like Mitchell Miller, who's got two years uh, experience in the USHL before he goes to college, maybe that helps his transition to the college ranks. We've seen some other guys who have gone straight from uh, high school into the NCAA, and it has. It's been a big jump for those guys. Uh, having this much experience at the at the junior level, that should be a bonus for him, no? I think so, yeah. Um, his experience um, on the Holinka team and the Junior A Challenge, I think that'll help him too, um, playing against his peer group. Um, you know, last year wasn't a great year for him, his first year in the USHL. Um, I think people were kind of surprised uh, his struggles. But um, that extra year never hurts you. It's only going to help you, right? So especially if you're going the college route, college hockey is getting older and older and older, and it's getting tougher for even regular freshmen to jump into the lineup and be contributors, much less true freshmen, somebody like Dylan Holloway. So um, especially as a defenseman, the the longer you can extend that development path, in my opinion, there's always exceptions. There's always your Zach Wierenskis and, you know, players like that that don't need that. But it's never going to hurt you. The NHL isn't going anywhere, right? right. So, um, um, yeah, I would agree with that. Yan Kuznetsov uh, is a Russian, but he's been in North America for a couple of seasons now. Uh, one with the Sioux Falls Stampede in the USHL, and this past season already in the NCAA playing for the University of Connecticut, uh, the Huskies. So he had 11 points uh, as a freshman this year. Uh, tell me about him because he's got size, and it seems like there's a bit of offensive ability there. So this is a, an interesting player. He was, I think if you polled scouts as far as U.S.-based scouts on one of the tougher projects to scout, he would probably get this year. Um, not only was the youngest player in NCAA by a long shot, he wasn't even a late birthday. He came in as a 2002 um, kid. But also his time management there was a little bit of a head-scratcher at times. There was um, there wasn't very much of a room for error for him. So if he made some sort of lack in judgment early on, his ice was taken away um, fairly quickly. Um, some games he was seeing regular shifts on a pairing, and then some games he was kind of sprinkled in as a seventh defenseman. So, he, you know, scouts could never really know what they were getting to go see him. Like they would, you know, they would they would fly into Connecticut or wherever out east, and um, you didn't know what you were getting at that night. So, um, excellent size, excellent skating ability, not just for his size, but overall, I think he's a fantastic skater. Um, some nights I thought he was UConn's best defenseman in the viewings I saw in, in the USHL last year with, uh, Sioux Falls. I thought, you know, despite not being very offensive, um, the things he does defensively, his ability to make tough defensive plays look really easy, um, despite the level is impressive, whether it's junior hockey or college hockey, if you can, you know, strip the puck and turn it North that quickly, um, you're going to excel at the next level, in my opinion. So um, offensive ability, we'll see. I, I hopefully he gets more of an offensive opportunity. Um, he's got a good shot from the point. Um, I really like his quick release. He doesn't, 
he probably, you know, giving his size and all that, he probably has a really good slap shot. Um, his wrist shot's probably really powerful, but it's his quick release, his snap shot that carries a lot of speed from the point, and um, he gets it off his tape quick. So uh, generates rebounds, deflection, can uh, shoot for deflections in front and stuff like that. So I think he's a smart defenseman. At the worst case, he's he's probably somebody at the next level that can insulate somebody like Mitchell Miller, right? At the worst case, that's what he's going to be. Um, we'll see what he gets with more offensive ability. Um, I thought he was really good at the U-17s this year for Russia, too. He ended up uh, getting more quality minutes there. I think those were some of the more the better scouting opportunities for scouts this year, and um, he took care of the puck there, too. So, um, yeah, he's got incredible professional upside, especially given his size and skating ability. All right, and the last guy on the list, I know we'll uh, touch on some other guys in a second, but uh, Brett Burrard, who played, uh, again, with the U.S. National Development Team, he's headed to Providence College uh, for this next season, uh, he did have offensive numbers. Not the biggest guy in the world, but uh, big numbers. Yeah, and you know, it's one of those cases where the offense doesn't really tell the whole story because he's a hard worker. He's smart. Um, he, you know, he's not the biggest player, but he plays above his size. He he wins pucks away from bigger opponents regularly, um, and it's due to his smartness and. Um, his ability just to be fearless and go into the hard areas, which is what you need when you're when you're up against it size-wise, and he has that. Um, it's unfortunate he missed some games with injury. He was getting ready to come back, and then the season got called. I know a lot of scouts are looking forward to tracking him at the U18s this year. A um, little bit of a bad break because um, his stock was going up from everything that I've heard and everything that I saw. He was a he was a riser for me. He never really had a bad game. He was always, even when he was left off the score sheet when I saw him, he always seemed to stand out. He always seemed to find a way to contribute. Um, I think he can play in the top six role at the next level with a little bit of, you know, skill development. Um, we'll see where that goes at college, but his hard work and his determination are going to, is going to carry him through, I think. Um, so we'll see. He ended up, um, pretty high on my personal list um but it was kind of there to see what would happen with him at the u18s and then that got canceled so um it was a little bit unfortunate but um he's a hard worker and he he doesn't play a skill game but he has plenty of skill so um he can kind of he can kind of contribute in multiple ways um which is what i like about his game i think he's a pretty versatile player Plays, he kind of plays with an annoying, gets under his opponent's skin. I have, I have a lot of time for smaller players that do that. So, you know, if you want to, you know, any undersized player in the NHL that gets under a player's skin, you can compare him to because that's kind of what he looks like to me when I watch him. All right, we'll watch for that. Uh, now, before we let you go, are, there's every year there's a handful of guys who might be uh, overlooked or under the radar or whatever cliche you want to use guys who might be around in the third fourth fifth round that you think might be worth uh, an extra look at uh, a few names uh, like that that come to mind for you yeah there's three that pop into my immediate head that i feel like have been undervalued a little bit this year one is ryan Kerwin that plays for madison capitals in the ushl um let him in goals uh i think he had about 25 goals this year um one of the best shots that I've seen in the USHL in a couple of seasons. Like 
you you go back to a player like Eli Tolvanen uh, a couple of years ago, was drafted by Nashville. His shooting ability rivals that, right? So he's a little bit of a one-trick pony in that regard because he doesn't bring a whole lot else other than his goal-scoring ability. But to score 25 goals on a struggling club like Madison um, was impressive for me. So he's a player to keep an eye on. Um, out of St. Thomas Academy and Minnesota high school ranks, Jackson Hallam. Um, fan, one of the best skaters I've seen in the last couple of years in my area. He's a fantastic skater, both with and without the puck. I think that'll be enough to get him drafted. Um, his hockey sense comes into question sometimes. But a lot of those times, you know, in the Minnesota high school ranks, um, I had a conversation with a scout about this the other day, is a lot of times these players, these star players, are forced to carry the offense for these teams because they're just not deep rosters, right? So their hockey sense gets questioned because they look past passing the puck. They look past, you know, an open play. But a lot of times if they make that pass, their team isn't scoring, right? Mm. So um, he, I, I'm interested to see him. I think he was drafted by Green Bay in the USHL. So um, I'm interested to see him in the USHL with his speed and what he can do. Um, hopefully he gets to the USHL next year. I know he has one more year of high school eligibility, so we'll see where he, where he plays. And then um, one of my personal favorites, um, Matthew Gleason out of Creighton-Durham Hall, um, put up similar high school numbers to somebody like Casey Middlestat did in high school. He was He's a four-year varsity player, um, undersized, but very highly skilled. So if you're looking for um, somebody to kind of shoot the moon and, and hope that he pops as an offensive player at the next level. Matthew Gleason is my pick for this draft. Um, I think he's incredibly smart. He's incredibly hardworking. Um, I think he's very underrated as far as national lists go that I've seen. Um, He's he's been on my list all year, and he's one of my um, uh, personal favorites in this draft because I personally think he's going to play in the NHL. So um, he's a player to watch because I think there's a team that'll be like, all right, I can't ignore the offensive ability. Um, yes, he's undersized, but he works hard. Um, we'll see. I'm interested to see where and if he gets drafted because um, I think he has great upside at the NHL level, especially with the recent success of undersized players in the NHL, undersized wingers. He plays center in high school, but he's probably a winger. Um at the next level, um, he kind of fits that mold for me. He's a player to watch. Well, and he's going to Colorado College, but next year he's going to play for Chicago, uh, the Steel in the USHL. And man, that's been a a program that has just dominated here in the last two three years. Uh, so they seem to know what they're doing uh, in Chicago. And uh, this is a guy who's going to fit right in with that program. Yeah, and you know, with the except, I mean, if it wasn't for the deep roster this year, I think he would have saw some more games in Chicago. I think he maybe got in the lineup for one. I didn't see that game, but I think maybe he did. Yeah. But um, uh, there was just nowhere to crack that lineup, right? So um, he's going to get some opportunity there next year. Um, and if he goes, if he goes undrafted this year, I'd be surprised. But um, he's a possible overager next year. Um, there's no doubt if he goes undrafted, scouts will be watching to see how he adjusts to junior hockey. Excellent, as always. Dustin, I really appreciate your time. Uh, looking forward to chatting with you again. Uh, thanks for doing this. Yeah, you guys take care. Thank you. And that was Dustin Braxma from HockeyProspect.com. Really appreciate their help over the course of uh, the season, this season, and for the last five or six seasons uh, as we've had them 
pretty much as our exclusive uh, contacts when it comes to scouting. Uh, I did talk to Mark, and remember last year, right in the couple of weeks leading up to the draft, we had a big show where it was all just their scouts. You know, we'd have one guy who would do, like Dustin just did, uh, for high school slash USHL, and Jerome would come on to talk about just the guys in the queue. And Mark was our OHL guy, and we had Yoan do a group from Europe. I think we're going to do something similar again this year, although it might get spaced out. It might not be one show, but it might be, you know, Dustin this week, another guy next week, another guy the week after. Something along those lines. Uh, Just as we hopefully get news of uh, when the draft is going to be held, you get to the point now where you're wondering, all right, are these playoffs even going to happen uh, for the NHL? Because so many guys are coming down with COVID and uh, teams. I just saw the St. Louis Blues just canceled their workouts uh, because they had a number of players uh, test positive. Uh, not that long ago, it was Tampa. So who knows if uh, the NHL is still even going to be able to finish uh, the, their plans and play the playoffs or not. And, of course, with the draft lottery that went last week, what a joke that was. We may, who knows, we might get to the point where it's just, all right, scrap the season, let's have the draft, focus on uh, getting set for the eventual proper return Uh, when that's able to happen uh, safely with fans. And I guess the NHL could probably play without fans because they actually have a TV deal. But that seems to be maybe a topic for another show because we don't talk NHL all that much here. Uh, But in this regard, it does impact the draft, which is one of the big uh, focuses for the Pipeline show. Get your copy of the Black Book. We'll find out everything about that at uh, HockeyProspect.com for all the information. Up next, uh, the only other guest on the show, it's going to be a 2020 draft spotlight, a player we could have talked to uh, Dustin about but didn't, as uh, this guy also uh, south of the border, Ryder Ralston, who played in the USHL with the Waterloo Blackhawks. Get to know him when we come back. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Into the corner, Gutman gives it back, solo shoot, scores! This is Zach Solo of the Dubuque Fighting Saints, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. The Troubled Monk Brew of the Week sure is a tasty one. Bud, what is it? Bucktooth Belgian White, a light and citrusy, flavorful beer. This Belgian White is a perfect patio pint. Try it with a freshly cut orange to brighten up your already sunny day. Player comparable, Patrick Kane knows what season to turn it on and has splashes of brilliance. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Yeah, there were horses and a man on fire and I killed a guy with a trident. We are back on the Pipeline Show. We'll end this week's episode with a 2020 draft spotlight. We'll chat with another player who is eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. Boy, whenever that's uh, going to happen. It's supposed to have already been done uh, by this point, but uh, now we're into July, and we still don't even have a date uh, for when the draft will happen. And that's got to be frustrating for somebody that's in the position of my next guest. We're pleased to be joined by Ryder Ralston of uh, the Waterloo Blackhawks. Uh, Ryder. Welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. A pleasure to uh, chat with you today. And I guess maybe we'll start with uh, 
well, what are you doing these days with, uh, we're talking about the uncertainty of when the draft is going to be. Is that kind of, uh, on your mind a lot? Does it, does it bother you not knowing when it's going to be? I mean, a little bit. It doesn't really change my terms of, um, summer training and skating. I think right now it's just big for me to, to treat it as if, you know, I'm just going into another season, not really worrying too much about the draft and, uh, just preparing. It could be the longest, uh, off season in history as it for in terms of hockey i mean you, you don't know if you're, you're going to have a season before november and everything got shut down in march is it tough to stay focused or motivated when there is so much uncertainty yeah i mean it's it's tough because there's so much uncertainty as to when you know you're going to be able to play games again or, or when you're going to see you know your teammates so i think for me it's just trying to keep a, a steady mindset and um, you know, just expect the unexpected because we're all in uh, in limbo right now. Yeah, and I know in in different parts of the uh, the world, in the United States and in, in Canada, here where I am as well, um, some places the rinks have been open for longer than other places. What about where you are? I'm not sure. Are you in Michigan right now? Yeah, I'm I'm up in Traverse City, Michigan. Um, and I usually spend well, my family spends the the winter months down in the Detroit area, and the rinks down there are actually still closed. So, mm-hmm. um, we've been fortunate enough, you know, to to be able to spend the summers up here in Traverse City, and um, you know, I have a gym here at my house that I've I've worked out in um every summer, um, and the rink is also open, so I've been able to skate and train it and. Um, basically treated as if it was just a regular summer. So uh, pretty thankful for that. Well, that's fortunate for sure. Well, let's uh, look back at the season that was, although it ended uh, prematurely, and, and for, which was tough for, for you and your for your club, uh, the, the Blackhawks, one of the top teams in the uh, USHL this year. Everybody was chasing Chicago, but Waterloo, top team in the Eastern Conference or Eastern Division. Uh, where were you and the, uh, the Waterloo Blackhawks when everything was shut down? Were you on the road? Were you at home? What was happening? Yeah, so um, we just got done playing Dubuque on a Wednesday night in Dubuque, and um, as soon as the game ended, there was there was a little bit of chatter. You know, we actually lost the game, but just the atmosphere after was a little bit different because we were getting you know word that the season might be over, and things have really escalated that the NBA was canceling the season, and if uh, the NHL paused their season, that we were going to be done. So mm-hmm. everybody was kind of you know, really surprised and not really sure what to expect. And then sure enough, we went into the rink the next day and uh, the league had made a decision to uh, postpone the season. And um, we were uh, told that we had to go home. So it it happened really quick and, you know, still kind of surreal just how it all all came about. But um, for sure, it was definitely weird. And we had to go home within 24 hours of playing our last game. So. Strange days for everybody. Uh, man, it almost feels like a March or, or February is, uh, you know, a year ago, not just, uh, you know, two or three months ago at this point. Um, the season this year for Waterloo, as I mentioned, uh, top team in your division. Uh, on a personal level, how are things going for you? Are you happy with the way you were playing this year? For sure. I think I grew a lot as a player. Obviously, a w- world-class coaching staff there in Waterloo with um, – Shane Fukushima, P.K. O'Hanley, I think they really helped me out uh, with my game, you know, defensively, offensively. I think, you know, coming from the program, there were things that I wanted to work on, and I think that they uh, helped me out uh, big time with that. So I'm really happy with the progress that I made. When a guy has been around the league like P.K. O'Hanley has been for for so long, uh, it's got to be – 
you know, there's got to be a lot of things that a guy like that is able to teach you. You touched on them briefly. Is there one area or game that you think you really took strides uh, with this past season? Definitely. You know, going into the season, I talked with him a little bit about, you know, um, my defensive zone tendencies and really rounding myself out early starting to. And I think going into um, the season, I was able to do that um, quite a bit. You know, he, he really stuck out for me and, and took me in under his wing and, and understood what I needed to do. And, you know, for me, it, moving forward, it's it's learning all those uh, those details of the game, you know, getting pucks out on the wall, being trusted by your coaches and just becoming an all-around good player. And I think that this year I, I took – took steps towards that couple of years with the program before this season and the next year's uh, as scheduled anyway let's assume everything goes off uh, as planned uh, you'll be in the ncaa having that one year in the ushl uh, you know obviously with the program you played in the league as well but uh, a lot of guys would come out of high school and go straight to college and they might struggle having that uh, that season uh, in the ushl with waterloo is that a nice buffer to try to make that transition to the college game uh, a little bit smoother Definitely. You know, it was, it was something that, um, you know, was, was something I was really looking forward to. You know, I was, I was still a, a junior in high school, my, my 18 year. So I had you know to make a decision on accelerating my, my school to go into college, you know, just, just riding it out and playing my senior year in, in uh, the USHL. And fortunately enough, we came across the, the situation where uh, Waterloo was going to be the team that I was going to play. And, um, I said, world-class coaching staff have had the opportunity to go there and, and wrap my game and, and, you know, take strides before going into the NCAA was something I couldn't up. So I was really fortunate for that. Brad Ralston is my guest forward with the uh, Waterloo Blackhawks headed to U- the University of uh, Notre Dame here uh, when things get back to normal. Uh, maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, for the audience that uh, they might not be USHL fans, and might be just NHL fans, but need to know everybody that's eligible for the draft. Let's get a bit of background for those folks. Uh, where are you from, Ryder? Yeah, um, you know, I grew up in a lot of places. My dad uh, played in the NHL for, for 17 years, so I was originally born in uh, Boston, Massachusetts, hmm. um, and then made my way to, to New Jersey, Minnesota, lived there for a few years, and then uh, once my dad retired, I, I moved back to, to where he's from in, in Michigan, and um, have been here ever since. The, the question I ask guys after, you know, where they're from is who got you into hockey? You mentioned your dad, uh, that's Brian Ralston, for those who don't know, but you, you're, you have uh, a lot of hockey players in your family. You're, both your uncles are involved in the game. I know your brother plays as well. Um, so, I mean, was it almost like you were born with a hockey stick? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, it's something really special to be around the NHL so much, and I think, you know, Ever since I was a little kid, I didn't know any better. You know, I was I was around the game every day. I got to see not only my dad, but, you know, his teammates and just how they conducted themselves and, and approached everything. And I think, you know, for me, it was it was something really special just to pick up on those things and and, you know, attribute that to, you know, my my own path. And I, I think, you know, if it wasn't for him or the opportunities that I have gotten, um, you know, with being around NHL locker rooms and stuff like that, I wouldn't be where I am. Yeah, you're a forward. Have you always been a forward? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a forward. I've always loved, you know, the scoring aspect of the game and and the offensive aspect of the game. You know, my dad's my dad was a forward, of course, and um, you know, it was just something that I was put in right away and and stuck with it and loved it. 
Uh, now, I remember your dad being a fairly uh, responsible forward. You, you could play in all situations, and you mentioned that was something that's uh, rounding out in your game. I've, I've asked this question of other players who uh, their parents, or their father rather, uh, would have played a, at a high level. Is there pressure to, to be like him, to, to follow in his footsteps and be identifiable as Brian was this way? Then obviously Ryder is going to be that type of player. Or do you do you feel that you're uh, you have more differences as a player maybe than similarities how do you see it yeah i mean i wouldn't really say it's pressure i think it's more you know the game's changing on a daily basis here and, and you can see that every year in the national hockey league and i think you know players need to adapt more skills and, and things to attribute to this game rather than you know a game a few years back and i think the biggest thing for me, you know, is is watching guys like my dad because he did play the right way, played that two-way game, and I think that's what's ultimately going to make you a pro. Mm. You know, if you can't play a top six role, you got to be a bottom six role. And just to have all those attributes, it, it's something that you need to have to be a pro. And I think it's not necessarily, you know, living in a shadow or, or you know, a legacy or anything like that. I think it's just um, realizing that that's the way you have to play. And, you know, looking up to that is something that's going to help you get better. Uh, interesting when you're talking about uh, not following in anybody's shadow and, and carving a path for yourself. Uh, you're going to Notre Dame. Um, your uncle Ron is coached at several different uh, NCAA programs, and your, uh, your father, uh, Brian, uh, played college hockey as well. But none of them uh, have any connection to uh, Notre Dame. Uh, was that intentional uh, you could have picked any of these schools that uh, those guys had uh, been associated with but um, uh, why the Irish show uh, being the right fit for you yeah I mean you know first and foremost I think playing in the Big Ten was something that I always wanted to do um, like I said I, I'm living in Michigan now and and most of the teams are pretty close and and it was it was something that I wanted to do it was play close enough to home and uh, my dad, he played for uh, Jeff Jackson at uh, Lake Superior State, ah. um, and my uncle also coached beside him. So that was a, a really big thing in the recruiting process, or the you know choosing where I wanted to go to school was having the opportunity to play uh, for the same coach that my dad did. I think you know it's going to be really special. Um, you know, I, I've had a good relationship with Coach Jackson going into it, so I'm really excited. Well, that's interesting. It's not a school connection, but the connection with the coach. And uh, Coach Jackson's been on the show uh, a number of times, a lot of success over the years uh, with Notre Dame. Uh, and he's going to help you be that r well rounded player, too, because you got to play both sides of the ice uh, uh, to have success uh, with the Irish. Now, again, about the uncertainty of the start of this season. Uh, do you know what the plans are? Do you are you, do you go to campus this year, or is it all by distance? And do we have any idea when the the, uh, the hockey season might start at this point? I mean, it's all up in the air at this point. You know, we've we've had several meetings about you know what to expect, and right now we're scheduled to go into campus around August 10th. Um, and as far as you know, the ice and the training and stuff, it's kind of. Day by day, I think the football players are there now, actually, and kind of testing the waters. But mm. as far as the season goes, you know, I've heard several different scenarios, but it seems right now everything's on a schedule. So we'll see. When you get there, and what expectations do you have for that step up? Uh, you know it's going to be different than the USHL, but, um, you know, going into this season, how do you prepare yourself, maybe not just physically, but mentally to make that jump? Yeah, I think for me, it's just sticking to my training and, and, and my on ice. I think, 
you know, it, it's going to be really cool just to just to be able to play in that college environment. Um, it's obviously going to be a lot different for me uh, going into that campus setting and, and uh, being a student athlete. But I'm really excited, you know, for the opportunity there. There's a lot of great players there that I want to be able to play with and, um, you know, build chemistry with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, it, it's going to be something really special and regardless of how everything plays out, it's going to be a, a once in a lifetime experience. Well, for, uh, the audience that hasn't had a chance to watch you play yet, uh, Ryder, maybe we should get a, a self-scouting report. Um, you know, if we were able to watch a, a game with Waterloo or this coming season with Notre Dame, what, what should we expect to see from you, uh, in a game? What kind of a player are you? Yeah. I mean, I'm a player that likes to use my speed. I think my skating's my best attribute. Um, I also like to shoot the puck. I think I'm a shoot first player, but you know, I also like to use my skill set and, and try to make plays and try to make my, my teammates around me better. Um, so I think, you know, the short of the long is I, I like to use my speed, like to use my shot, but also, you know, try to create in all, all areas of the ice. And when it comes to the draft itself over the course of this season, has it been on your mind much or are you one of those guys who tries not to think about the draft because you don't want it to be a distraction? I know other guys, you know, they, they look to see where they're ranked by uh, the various uh, ranking people out there and, and use that as a motivator. What about for you? Yeah, I mean, it's something that's always in the back of your head for sure, especially, you know, playing playing at the national program. I was able to play with, you know, that team mm-hmm. um, that was just so good and, everybody, you know, all the guys that were picked in the first round and, and in the draft in general. So it was something that I kind of got to experience, even though it wasn't my draft year there, um, and just see how guys handled things and, and just what the draft process was really like. So obviously going into this year was something that was on my mind. And, um, you know, I've been able to, to block it out. It's not something I really, you know, stress about or anything like that. I think for me, it's just more of like a gift. You know, I've, I've worked so hard my whole life to be put in this situation. And it's more of just, you know, having fun with it and, and enjoying the process rather than stressing about it. Well, that's a good way to look at it for sure. Although that process has been stretched out a lot. Be nice to, to at least know when the draft is going to be, let alone have that day come and gone. It's got to feel like it's almost running a marathon. You'd kind of like that race to be over at by this point, wouldn't you? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, and it, it also goes back to the combine, you know, it was something that I've seen all my friends go to and, and, you know, all the tests and, and the interviews and stuff. I was really looking forward to that as well, you know, almost just as much as the draft, just to have that experience. And mm-hmm. once both the draft and the combine were, were, I guess you could say canceled, it was, it was something, you know, that I was really disappointed just cause, you know, it, it was, apparent that the experience is going to be a lot different than, you know, other players that I've been in touch with. But obviously right now, just like every other player, we're kind of in that, that holding pattern and, and waiting to see what happens. So, Well, let's hope it uh, it all comes to an end here uh, fairly soon. At least we get some direction of, of what's going to happen. And uh, then we can get back to playing and, and carrying on as normal. Ryder, listen, I really appreciate your time. I enjoyed the conversation a lot. Uh, thanks for this. Good luck. Hey, I appreciate your time. This was really cool. There's Ryder Ralston from uh, the Waterloo Blackhawks, uh, soon to be the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, assuming, and once again, assuming everything gets back to normal uh, sooner as opposed to later. And uh, we have college hockey this uh, still in 2020, which at this point, I'll believe it when I see it, but I don't think hockey's ha- coming back in uh, in September or October, but we'll see. Fingers crossed. I would be thrilled to be wrong about that. Thanks to Scott Bartlett from Bartlett Hockey for uh, setting me up with a rider to have that chat. 
And if you're in that uh, Michigan area where uh, Ralston Hockey is, you might want to check them out and see what they can do to help you uh, with your uh, off-ice workouts. And with that, that's the guest segments of uh, this week's episode, and that brings us to the end of it. Uh, So uh, thanks to uh, both my guests that you heard from. Uh, Next week, as I mentioned earlier, I should have a full slate of guests. Uh, Might have as many as three 2020 draft spotlight segments and uh, might be one, potentially two other guests uh, to uh, join me as well. Uh, So next week, we'll be back to a, a full show. At least right now, that's the plan. Thanks again to everyone who has signed up to be a patron at patreon.com slash the pipeline show. A couple of bucks a month is all it takes, and you can hear all of these uh, the interviews that we have on the full episodes. You can hear those about an hour after the, the interview is actually done. I uplo- edit them, upload them uh, to the uh, Patreon page. Uh, so, for example, that interview with uh, Ryder was done on uh, Wednesday or Thursday, so it's been available for a couple of days already uh, for uh, people who... Uh, like to help support the show like that and it means a lot to me that you find value in the show uh, that you want to uh, chip in and just uh, help make sure that it keeps going through these tough times i really really appreciate that again patreon.com slash the pipeline show for more information the link for that is also in my bio on twitter which is at tps underscore key and lastly just a a reminder that uh, covid19 is not going anywhere And until there's a vaccine, stay vigilant and stay safe. Take care of each other. Take care of your family. Take care of your neighbors. Be kind to each other. Wear a mask if you have one. It's not that big of a deal. Stay safe, and uh, we will talk to you next week right here on The Pipeline Show. Until then, my name is Guy Flaming. See ya.